Walking the Dog is an amateur podcast devised, recorded, edited and produced by me, creation speaker Paul Taylor. I work for the Ministry of Creation Today in Pensacola, Florida, website creationtoday.org and I'm the co-presenter of the Creation Today show, though this podcast is produced privately from my personal website just6days.com. As an amateur effort, it doesn't have the same level of production as our ministry products. The podcast is called Walking the Dog because I record it while walking my dog Fraser, who is a Shetland sheepdog. This explains the background noises of birds, frogs and trains that you will hear, as well as barking. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are my own. Walking the Dog, Episode 5 why this sudden interest in this newfangled presuppositional apologetics then? This podcast, which is produced by Just Six Days, is presented by Paul Taylor. So what's this big deal about presuppositional apologetics anyway? And why we're we doing things in a, a new way like this? Why not stick to the old tried and tested method of evidential apologetics? Well, the thing is, of course, that presuppositional apologetics is not actually new. It is actually the method that's been used by people down the ages, and uh, it is the biblical method. In fact, there's a very good example of presuppositional apologetics and its interface with evidential apologetics in the Gospels itself from the words of Jesus. And I'm looking here at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, which is the account of Thomas after the resurrection. So what we have here is in verse uh, 24, let me read you this short passage. Uh, now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, oh, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side I will not believe. After eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, did Thomas's belief on this subject depend on his seeing evidence? No, it did not. It did not depend on his seeing evidence. And uh, as soon as he saw Jesus, he realized that that was the case. Um, it's, you know, we're told seeing is believing. Well, uh, that, this is the passage, of course, where that particular comment comes from. Thomas was of the opinion that you couldn't believe without seeing. He wanted the evidence. He wanted the evidence, and um, the evidence would prove to him that Jesus was God. Now, as soon as he's actually confronted with the real person of Jesus, then he doesn't need the evidence anymore because he's got the person, and the evidence fits into place. So he says, my Lord and my God. 
Of course, there is the rebuke for Thomas, which is, uh, you believe because you've seen, you know, it took this uh, in order for you to believe. Well, now you believe, and now you've got it all in context. But uh, blessed are those who believe even when they've not seen, because they basically trust Jesus' word for it. Jesus had already told them beforehand what was going to happen. They had um, the whole of the Old Testament. They should have been able to know what had happened if they fully believed. Jesus was constantly making this point and constantly chiding the apostles for their lack of belief on the subject. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus sort of gently teases Thomas in a sense because he says, "Look, put your uh, your finger into my side. Uh, put put your finger on the on the on the scars on the hands and and so on." He's saying, "Here's the here's the evidence." And of course, Thomas does not need that. Now, is he being disobedient to Jesus? Of course he's not. Jesus is teaching him a lesson at this point, that he's got the belief, he worships Jesus as Lord and God. He's got the belief, and therefore he understands what the purpose was. He sees all the, the scars, and it's all into place, that uh, Jesus had to rise again from the dead, Jesus had to die in order that, um, that we might be saved. So everything here is in context. And that's, uh, that's what's being said. But the point is that uh, he should have been able to believe without that because he had all the, uh, all the evidence that he needed. There was evidence required, of course, but the evidence is not what people think of as evidence. The evidence is the evidence of Scripture. It's the evidence that, uh, that Jesus gave. It's the evidence that's inspired by the Holy Spirit through Scripture. That's, if you like, the evidence that was required, none other is required, but to believe that, to accept that. And uh, that's, the, that's the point there. This is a, a very good, strong, biblical example of presuppositional apologetics in action. Jesus is showing Thomas that what is needed is his belief. What is needed was his ability to believe what he had said. And uh, that's, the, uh, that's the context in, uh, in what's, what's being said. Thomas had previously thought that he wouldn't be able to believe without actually seeing the evidence of the, of the nails and, uh, and so on. But as soon as he's confronted with the person of Jesus, he didn't need that evidence. Now that's the way it should be for us. You might think that we need the evidence, but actually as soon as we're confronted with the person of God, with the person of, of Jesus Christ, then we should not require, well we do not require the evidence when it's actually there, because it's the person. The evidence, on the other hand, is interesting, and you can bet that uh, Thomas would be talking about the, uh, the scars in Jesus' hands and his feet and his side and so on. He'd be talking about that evidence, but it would be in the, the context of, here's the person, here's what's true. Now, because of that, we understand the evidence. That evidence is there as a natural leading on. It's not that you believe in Jesus because of the evidence, but because we believe in Jesus, the evidence is there, and uh, that's what we understand. Now let's uh, expand that a little bit further in just a moment. What we want to understand from that passage is that Jesus used the, the presuppositional apologetic, and Jesus also used evidence but he used the evidence in that presuppositional context, in the context of who he was. Now let's actually examine that as it applies to uh, the subjects such as creation and evolution and so on. Here's an example of the, the difference between um, 
um, presuppositional apologetics and evidential apologetics, or at least how the evidence is used and how evidence implies a type of authority that people don't really fully appreciate. Let's say that someone had told you that there is a metal which, when you put it into a bowl of water, will actually catch fire and sometimes explode. And you say, yeah, right, that, that doesn't make much sense, does it? Uh, the idea of sticking a metal, you know, you put a couple of nails into a tank of water, you don't see it catch fire, you don't see it explode, that doesn't make sense. Now then, let's say that you're in the chemistry lab in a high school or college or something, and your chemistry teacher says to you that there is a metal called potassium, and uh, this metal, when you put it into water, uh, it actually catches fire. He shows you how the uh, chemical equation works. It will actually catch fire, and it will explode. Now, at some later date, he might actually show you that as an experiment. Well, let's say at the moment that he hasn't shown you that. Uh, you've been taught this in the context of a chemistry lesson, and you accept it. You make a note of it, uh, and uh, you understand that it's true. Of course, later on, you might actually see that, but that's, that's irrelevant to the example. Let's say that you now believe this point, that there is this metal that will catch fire when you put it into water and sometimes explode, because your chemistry teacher has told you that that's the case. It's part of a chemistry lesson, there's the context, you understand uh, that particular piece of evidence. Now, who has the greater authority? Is it your friend who told you and you didn't believe, or is it your chemistry teacher who told you and you did believe? Well, the answer is that you have uh, that the chemistry teacher to you has a greater authority because you believed what that chemistry teacher said, and you used that to verify what your um, uh, your friend had said to you. Now let's have a look at that in the context of creation. Let's say that you are using. Uh, uh, evidence then to uh, back up the Bible, uh, to verify the Bible. So the issue then is that uh, uh, you're arguing to somebody that the world is not millions of years old, but it's actually only a few thousand years old. And you would tend to say, well, it's probably 10,000 years old or less. And they say, why? And uh, so you, um, you say, well, uh, Obviously, that's what I understand from the Bible. What's uh, the evidence for that? And uh, you, you, uh, you, you say, well, the evidence for that is that there is a uh, scientific experiment. Uh, you, you know, you can look at, say, the age of comets. We know that comets cannot last more than 10,000 years. Uh, we've discussed that point on these, uh, on these podcasts. Therefore, that's uh, an upper limit on the age of the solar system, certainly, at least. And... Uh, uh, for that reason, then we can trust the Bible. And that's the, the idea in your mind. You've got these uh, scientific evidences. Those scientific evidences verify the Bible. So you can believe the Bible because of these scientific evidences. Now, I understand uh, the reason why people do this. I understand the reason, you know, what your heart is. Your heart is that you're wanting people to believe the Bible. The trouble is that what you are doing here is actually undermining the Bible in a very subtle way. Let's explain why. You see, if um, belief in the Bible is not the foundation of your position, but it is the scientific evidences 
that, uh, that really help you believe the Bible, then you need to say which has the greater authority. And the answer is, in that particular example, that the greater authority is the scientific evidence. For example, the idea that uh, comets cannot last more than 10,000 years. That's enabled you then to believe the Bible and to accept what's in there. But your belief in the Bible has been based on and subject to the scientific evidences. Now that is the wrong way around because you see the Bible claims to be the ultimate authority. The Bible claims that everything should be viewed through the Bible as if it were a lens. So in fact it should be the evidence that is um, interpreted by the Bible, not the other way around. You've got it the wrong way around and you've made the evidence the greater authority. You know, you put this before the unbeliever, you say you can believe the Bible because of this scientific evidence. What you're presenting to them is that the Bible by itself is not enough. You need this scientific evidence in order to believe the Bible. It's the Bible plus. But the Bible plus means that the Bible does not have authority. And that is a very dangerous place to be. That is the place of evidential apologetics. Now, a presuppositionalist will not ignore the evidence, but the presuppositionalist looks at things in a different way. We believe that God made the world 6,000 years ago or so. That is what the Bible says. That is our authority. Now, there are then some corollaries of that. The, um, the fact that we start with that, that is our starting point, means that we would expect to see things where ages are limited. So we would expect then uh, to, to see the whole idea about comets, uh, that there would be an upper limit to um, their age, uh, that we can interpret that way. But we don't believe the Bible because of the comets, rather we interpret the evidence that we get from the comets in the light of the Bible, and so that makes sense. This is what the Bible says. We start from the Bible and we interpret things from that point. We see where that leads us. Now that is presuppositional apologetics, and not only that, it's a correct use of evidence. As I said, the evidence is not unimportant. The evidence is there, but the evidence is actually in the context of the presupposition, rather than uh, the belief in the Bible being because of our belief in the evidence. That is so important. It's, sound, it's very, very subtle, but it's, 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 the, it's the right way of doing it. If we're going to give honour and glory to God, that's the, the right context in which to put it. Now, that's the context that we, uh, that's the context that we make. That's uh, why we're dealing with this presuppositional apologetics. Remember, the whole point about this is to bring glory to God. The whole point is that God must have the glory. When we do it the other way around, when we have the evidence, then it's the evidence that has the glory. It's the scientist who's given us that evidence that has the glory. If we're presenting that in the context of a a talk on creation and evolution, then it's us who get the glory. Uh, people come to us after and say, oh, I didn't realize all that clever science, and you're a clever man, and uh, the Bible's true because of that. And it is us who get the glory. And you know, I spent many years talking on creation using that particular model. And I, wouldn't, I, would, I would have been very upset if anyone had said to me, you're giving yourself the glory, or you're giving science the glory, but that's precisely what I was doing. What we need to do is start from the presupposition, and everything must be in the context of the presupposition. 
when we have that correct presupposition and we take into account all the things that people said about presuppositions that you know we can't actually know anything or even prove anything if God is not real and uh, the Bible is not true we can't we have no basis to start our proofs we've got no foundation for everything when you start with that particular principle then you get everything right into context so that really is meant to explain exactly why we're using presuppositional apologetics instead of evidential apologetics. The, the bottom line is, it's about giving God the glory rather than taking it for ourselves. That was Walking the Dog, an amateur podcast on biblical issues. It can be found at the personal website of Paul Taylor, just6days.com. For details of products by Paul and other good products, visit creationtoday.org or creationstore.org.